Good morning and welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I'm Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. We've come to day 362. Oops, not 3621, but 362. And that means we're getting very close to the end of our first year. And we're going to close out our first year with a study of the book of Ruth. So we're going to be in the book of Ruth for the last four days of 2022. And then we'll begin 2023. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the truth of your word, for the power of your word, for the comfort of your word. Would you please write your word upon our hearts by your Holy Spirit. Teach us, enlighten us, and lead us to follow after Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen. All right, Ruth chapter 1. First of all, notice the little graphic that the ESV folks at Crossway have put above the book of Ruth. It's rejoicing at the harvest, rejoicing at the bringing in of the sheaves. And uh, that is very much, you know, the psalmist says, those who sow with tears shall reap with joy. Those who go out uh, sowing sorrow will reap with sheaves of joy. And so this is uh, very much played out in Ruth. We begin with sorrow, unfaithfulness, um, consequences of unfaithfulness and sorrow, and we end with with joy through covenantal faithfulness, through uh, gracious obedience to the Lord and trust in him. <clears throat> Ruth chapter 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Mahlon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the hill country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth. They lived there about ten years, and both Mahlon and Kilion died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return, each of you, to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you, as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? 
Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was startled because of them. And the women said, Is this Naomi? She said to them, Do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? When the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me. So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, with her, who returned from the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. Beginning of the barley harvest. So here we are in Ruth, and we begin with an act of pragmatic unfaithfulness. So often scripture shows us very clearly that if we will act on the principles of pragmatism, what makes sense, what works, what the rest of the world does, how things appear to our own eyes, if we will act on those principles and not on the principles of scripture, not on what the Word of God says, not on what the Spirit of God leads by the Word. If we will act on pragmatism instead of on scriptural truth, we will be unfaithful to the Lord and we will wander off far away from his blessing. There was a famine in the land. Bethlehem, house of bread. To be the future city of David, this is the story of the great-grandparents of David and how they meet and how they get married and and how they have their son and and then their grandson Jesse and then later their great-grandson David. This is their story, but it is also for us a lesson in faithlessness and its fruit and faithfulness and its fruit. Now it's by God's grace that we are ever kept faithful, so this is not to be heard as some lesson in works righteousness. If you if you do A, B, and C, you will get blessing D. You know, that's not how that works. But if we are committed to the Lord, we will want to walk according to his ways, and we will not walk in the ways of the world. So Elimelech, he sees the famine in the land, 
And what do you do if there's a famine in the land? What do, what do you do if you're in an agricultural area? They grow barley and they grow wheat. It's the house of bread. It's where grain is grown. What do you do if you're in an agricultural place and there's a famine and you and your family are going to die? Well, what should Elimelech have done? What should the people of Bethlehem have done? They should have repented. They should have cried out to the Lord. They should have set aside any false gods that they had given themselves to. They should have sought the Lord with all of their hearts. They should have pleaded with him to restore his land because this is the Lord's land that he gave to his people as an inheritance. But instead, Elimelech sees the famine and he leaves. And he leaves the promised land. He leaves the people of God. He goes to Moab to the Moabites, the enemy of God's people. In the book of Judges, they are ones who would come in and raid from time to time and who would oppress. And so he goes over to the other side. And when he goes there, he dies, and then his two sons die. Because his unfaithfulness to the Lord is judged by the Lord. And so Naomi, his wife, is left with two daughters-in-law. Now, the realities of life throughout the ancient world, whether you were in Moab or in Israel, or Greece or Persia or Egypt, the realities of life throughout the ancient world is that women, on their own, without men, without husbands, without fathers, without sons, were very vulnerable. They were the poorest. They were the most oppressed. They were the most destitute. And so she has to do something. She's alone in the world with just two daughters-in-law. The three women are not going to be able to do anything, particularly in the land of Moab. And so she's deciding to go back to Bethlehem. She's heard that the Lord has visited his people and has given them food so she sets out to go back to Bethlehem, back to the land of Judah. And then you have her daughters-in-law. They say, don't leave. They, they weep. They want her to stay. But she says to them, go return each of you to your mother's house. May the deal, Lord deal kindly with you as you've dealt with the dead and with me. And they both say to her, no, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi gives them again some very pragmatic advice. Why would you do that? What hope, what future could there possibly be for you back in my home with my people? I don't have any more sons to give you as husbands. Even if I were to go home and meet a man and get married and have a child before the year is out, are you really going to wait 18 more years to have children? Will you still be able to have children? I mean, it's absurd to even think about. You can't possibly do that. It doesn't make any sense from a pragmatic perspective. So go. Just go back to your homes. Go back to your mothers. You're going to be better off going back to your parents and being taken in by them as widows, perhaps, maybe, among your own people, you can find a husband. Orpah takes this advice. She kisses her mother-in-law 
and she departs. But Ruth clings to her mother-in-law. Now, not to pick on anybody or single anybody out, but I do think it's rather interesting that Orpah here in Ruth 1 is where Oprah Winfrey gets her name. She, she said that openly. Her parents named her after this character from Ruth, but they got the spelling wrong. So her name was supposed to be Orpah, but her name is Oprah. Ever wonder why she has such an unusual name? Now, I think it's interesting that why would her parents want to name her after the daughter-in-law who was unfaithful? The daughter-in-law who went away from God's people. The daughter-in-law who returned to her pagan roots. And then the fact that she's a distortion of a biblical name, a misspelling. And I think it's very interesting because really in my lifetime, there have been few people within the American Christian world who have had a bigger impact for bad, for false teaching, for leading people astray than Oprah Winfrey. Particularly among professing Christian women, Oprah Winfrey has had an outsized impact within my lifetime. It's been less so in recent years, but particularly when I was younger and I mean, her book club and the things that she recommended, a, a book called The Secret and the sort of um, just false teaching. You know, she interviewed Rob Bell when he was walking away from the Lord and away from Christian faithfulness. And uh, it's just been very sad the way that she's been used really by, by Satan, I think, to spread lies and to spread false ideologies, uh, even among many of God's own people. And I think it's interesting that she's named after someone who was unfaithful, who went astray, and she's a distortion of that name. So I just think that's an interesting observation. I'll just leave it at that, but read into it what you will. But then you have Ruth, and Ruth's words here are beautiful. In fact, uh, some Christians use Ruth's words as wedding vows. I mean, she's a daughter-in-law going with her mother-in-law, but really what she's vowing here is covenantal faithfulness. Do not urge me to leave you or return from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people. Your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. There I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also, if anything, but death parts me from you. Now we did in our wedding vows, we used the last part of that statement in our wedding vows to basically say publicly, this is a matter of covenantal faithfulness. And if we are unfaithful, may the Lord deal with us. May the Lord judge us if we are unfaithful to our covenant vows. And that's appropriate. Ruth, Ruth is a model here of covenantal faithfulness. And that's what marriage is. Marriage is a covenant before God and witnesses. And it is to be taken seriously. And Ruth has given the most firm commitment. So she is pledging herself to Yahweh, to the people of Yahweh, and to her mother-in-law. So they go back home to Bethlehem and all the women come out and, and they can't believe it. Is this Naomi? It's been years. And Naomi says, no, don't call me that anymore. That's not going to be my name. My name is Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full and the Lord brought me back empty. So instead of being called Naomi, which 
is the name that she was given, a name that uh, speaks of joy, um, speaks of, of, of pleasantness and blessing. She wants to be called Mara, which is the opposite, speaks of bitterness, speaks of deprivation. So Naomi, pleasant, joyful, blessed, Mara, bitter, deprived, negative. Uh, and so she wants her name changed because she believes, and I, I think she's right in part of the insight in that there has been judgment from the Lord Almighty against her and her family because her husband has been unfaithful. But this has been a discipline that leads to restoration and life. And so uh, they are going to find the Lord's blessing upon their lives and um, that's going to be where this book goes. So they get back there um, in the beginning of the barley harvest. When is that? Well, that's about April, May. It's a few weeks before uh, the wheat harvest, which we'll talk about in the next chapter. So it's sort of setting us up this cliffhanger almost at the end of chapter one. They come to Bethlehem at the beginning of of barley harvest. And if you're familiar with the practice of the poor and the care of the poor in Israel, you'll know that what they're going to have to do is to glean, glean from the fields for their food. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this book of Ruth that we can close out this year studying together. We pray that you would write your word on our hearts. Help us to see Father, what it means to be faithful to you. Give us the grace by your Holy Spirit to be faithful to the covenant, faithful to you, faithful to your people. Help us not to give in to pragmatic reasoning. Thank you that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, was faithful to the end. We praise you in his name. Amen. Well, that's Ruth chapter 1. Tomorrow we'll move right on to Ruth chapter 2. Have a blessed day in the Lord.